Good morning, Lifeway. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 19, and we're going to get into the message. I'm so excited about this message today, as well as this series that we've been in for the past four weeks. It's been an awesome series. It's um, near and dear to the Father's heart. We're living in a time where the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is so necessary and to learn about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is, uh, a lot of us think that it's fundamental, but it's fundamentally powerful, right? And there's, there's no uh, end, there's no finishing this understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. He has... He has been sent by the Father to empower us. And it's by his power that you're sitting in the the chair that you're sitting in today. (laughs) Let's pray and then we'll get into the word. Father, thank you for your word today. We we do humble ourselves under your word. And we ask you to teach us by the Spirit. He is our teacher. And so we expect to hear words spoken by the Holy Spirit, not just human words. We thank you uh, that... You speak to us because we're willing to open our hearts. And we declare that our ears are hearing ears. Our hearts are ready to receive your word. And we thank you for changing us from the inside out today through this message. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now, um, we're, we're a church that you can take a breath in. You can dance. You know, I was dancing down here, and this is kind of the introduction to the message. Probably doesn't have any. Maybe I could tie it into the message, but I was dancing down here thinking about the times that I danced in a disco. Now, you can imagine me dancing in a disco, but back in the day, and I'm old enough to say back in the day, I thought that I was the white Michael Jackson. I, I, don't, I don't have those moves. I don't know. I've been practicing the, the dental floss. The dental floss. I don't know. <laughs> you, you can just be yourself here. You don't have to be anybody else. There is no pretentiousness in the building. We kicked it out before, <laughs> before we got in here. Listen. I, I never did like to go to a church that was religious, right? You have to do all the right things, and you have to say all the right things. Listen, there, there are times where I just go to God, and I say, listen, I'm here. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I've done everything that I can do. I've, I've said everything that I can say, and he understands me. So that, that is the church that Pastor Sheila and I want to pastor, is a church that's real, authentic, where you can really connect with God. And uh, what I was saying about dancing is, I'm so glad that I don't have to drive down to Buckhead and drink five gallons worth of feel-good juice, whatever that is, the, the liquor and alcohol and all, just to get into a place where I feel good, that I can dance, that on Sunday morning I'm in my right mind dancing before the Lord. And he's watching me, not everybody else. And it's a, it's a great place to be. To be yourself. To know that you don't, you don't have to perform or impress. And so I just want to set your mind at ease and just relax. So maybe that made you laugh and now you're ready to hear the word. And Acts chapter 19 talks about Our subject for the past four weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And if it's true that 2,000 years ago there was some misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit, then it's true that today, in 2018, there's still some misunderstanding about the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So we're going to see, we're going to dig a little bit deeper. If you haven't been with us the past three weeks, we invite you to go back online to watch the videos. We have a podcast you can download, you can listen to the messages while you're sitting in traffic and, and catch up where, we are, where we're at. But this is our theme scripture for these past four weeks. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, the apostle Paul, took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. This is Paul at Ephesus, found some disciples of Jesus, and he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's an important question. But look at their response. He said, or they said, no, we haven't, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's interesting, isn't it? You would think that they would have heard. But there's a lot of Christians today. They love Jesus. They have confessed Jesus as Lord. They know who Father God is. But they have no idea who the Holy Spirit is. And I was, I was one of those believers in times past. And I'll go into my story a little bit later in the message. But uh, this whole series, we've been trying to clear up some misunderstanding, misunderstandings and myths because there's been some bad packaging, and we just have to admit it, that there's been some bad packaging associated with the topics surrounding the Holy Spirit, and people have rejected the Holy Spirit. But I think that more than rejecting the Holy Spirit, they're rejecting the packaging, packaging around the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I believe that everybody wants power. It's evident today that everybody wants power, but they just don't want some of the craziness and the goofiness that's been associated with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what we've attempted to do is to take some of the terms that people have used uh, that have been misunderstood and make sure that we're clear on them. The first week, we talked about the term spirit and how that term has been translated in the King James Version, especially the word ghost. It's been translated into the word ghost. And so when we talk about having a personal relationship with a Holy Ghost, that's a little bit frightening to some people because they don't really want to have a relationship with a ghost. Right? And the word spirit is better translated breath. And so God's breath that he breathed into the church on the day of Pentecost and we see it in the book of Acts chapter 2, that breath, and we were just singing about it, the breath that God breathed is still alive in us. And that breath puts wind in our sails. That breath resurrects us from, from, from us being asleep every day. Every morning we get out of bed, we're resurrected with the breath of God, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so the second week we looked at the word Pentecost, because that's also another word that is used to categorize the, the Holy Spirit and the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that word has been misused sometimes. But Pentecost actually is a Jewish, Jewish holiday. And uh, it actually means the, wor the word 50. It means 50. And so there's nothing scary about the word 50. But the way that people have used the word Pentecost, are you Pentecostal? Like... Uh, do you, are, do you swing from the chandeliers? Or, you know, we've identified uh, people Pentecostal with, as people who wear too much makeup or not enough makeup. And so people have misunderstood. But it's a holiday 50 days after another holiday called Passover. So the third week we looked, last week we looked at the term charismatic. And charisma actually means a grace gift or a gift of grace. And we said last week, you can go back and listen to it, that you'll never really be content in your life until you're operating in all the gifts that God gives. And God's gifts were not uh, created for himself. They were created for us. They were created for the church. And we saw last week where there were, there were over 24 different grace gifts that God gives us. And so we shouldn't just focus on one gift, but there's so many more gifts. And so this week we're going to unpack another term, uh, baptism, the word baptism. Because baptism is used in conjunction with the word Holy Spirit. So if you look on your notes, uh, there are 
three distinctly different baptisms, and we're going to go into those. Three baptisms. Uh, we're first, first, we're baptized into the body of Christ. The body of Christ. You can write that in the blank there. And if you really like to take extra notes, write just beside in, into the body of Christ, write the word salvation. Because salvation is your first step in, in discovering all that God has for you. It, it, the word baptism actually means immersion. And when, when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and you make a decision to follow him, the first thing that happens is you are baptized or immersed into the body of Christ, into a relationship with Christ. Christianity actually is an immersion into a relationship not only with Jesus, but also his body, his church. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. They'll put it up here on the, on the screen. You have it there in your notes. But it says here, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Isn't that interesting? When we said yes to Jesus, we were baptized into the body of Christ. That is a baptism. You are immersed People that, that think that they can live their life just between them and God and not have any other interaction with, and, and let's just say they, they, they call it the organized church. But listen, everything that God does is organized, guys. Listen. And I understand why some people say, you know, I don't want anything to do with the organized church because they've been hurt. But listen, don't throw out all the body of Christ just because you've been hurt by one or two members of the body of Christ right? When we say yes to Jesus, he says he introduces us to his body. And there's strength in the body of Christ. There's healing in the body of Christ. We find our place in the body of Christ. We operate the gifts that God gives us in the body of Christ. And so it's very important that we understand that we are made one with the body. Uh, in the Word of God, body is a term uh, that the Bible uses often to describe the family of believers. We are a family of believers. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says this. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So sons, you know, there's a generic term, sons and daughters. You are part of the family because you have faith in Christ Jesus. You have declared your faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. That's the first step. Again, clothing yourself with Christ. We are immersed. We have an immersion into a relationship with Jesus and his body. And we need to get to know each other better. Not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Right? There's a difference. You may know me after the flesh, but listen, you really need to know me after the Spirit. Right? So Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to look at a couple of passages where Jesus tells his disciples about the immersion with the Holy Spirit. It's different than the baptism into the body of Christ. So after Jesus paid for the sins of his disciples, they needed to receive their own salvation and this actually, this encounter that Jesus had with his disciples was during the 40-day period after he was resurrected, but he had not yet ascended to the Father. So we're going to take a look at a moment in time in three different places in the Bible, um, John and Luke and Acts. Those scriptures are, are there in your notes. But let me just say this before we go to the scriptures. You realize that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four Gospels that were written by four different people, but they were all about the same account or the same period of time where Jesus was alive on the earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So in Matthew, you see Jesus from one perspective. In Mark, you see Jesus from another perspective. The accounts of Jesus where he went and he healed a particular person or he did a particular thing. They are recorded in the four Gospels differently, right? So we understand that there, that there are moments of time 
in the life of Jesus where he spoke things and did things that were recorded in different places of the Bible. You need to understand that. I don't want to assume that you know what I'm talking about here. So that's why we're going to look at this moment of time where Jesus is speaking with his disciples in three different places. The first place is in John. The book of John, chapter 20 and verse 19, says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the, of the Jewish leaders. Now, this is after Jesus died, he was buried. They didn't find him in the tomb after three days, but he has not yet ascended to heaven. This was during that time, that 40-day time. So they're, they're in there with the doors locked because of the fear that they had of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Isn't that interesting? Jesus bypassed the lock. <laughs> he goes through the wall and appears to them and says, Peace. Well, if Jesus walked in the room and the door was locked, he would definitely have to say, Peace to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> He said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So remember that this is before that Jesus ascended to the Father. Remember this passage. Listen, go back this week and study it because it's very important to understand what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is not doing here, right? The very moment that we're immersed in a relationship with Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. The minute that we are immersed in a relationship with Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. There are some people that teach that you don't have the Holy Spirit until you are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's not true. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus was talking to them about. Look in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 and verse 36. There, is, there are distinctly different baptisms. Luke 24, 36 says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Then in verse 49, Luke 24, 49, Jesus said this, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Notice that the, he said, I'm going to. That's future tense, right? But he said, Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he's giving them instructions. In that first passage, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, go to this place and stay there until you receive that power from on high. You guys see that? I, I want it to be so clear. Jesus is not confused and the disciples are not confused. Even though sometimes we read the, <laughs> we read the Bible and we get confused. Jesus was not confused. There are two different things. When we're born again, we're immersed into Jesus, into a relationship with Jesus, into the body of Christ. When we're baptized with the Spirit, it's a total, total different thing. Look in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Acts 1, 3 says, after his suffering, this is talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Sounds like the first passage that we read, right? In John. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said to them. So in other words, you haven't received it all yet. You haven't received it all yet. The disciples had been baptized into Jesus and into the body of Jesus. That's the first baptism. The second baptism is water baptism. 
It's a separate experience from your salvation experience. Listen, you don't have to be water baptized to be saved. And water baptism doesn't save you. But Jesus wants you to be baptized in water because Jesus was baptized in water. So the second baptism we're going to look at is water baptism. Water baptism, you can fill in the blank there. Water baptism, it was recorded, it's been recorded 27 times in the New Testament that people got saved. When they got saved, they were immediately baptized in water. So this is the second step in your journey. Acts 2 and 41 says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. And that's talking about water baptism. The reason for water baptism is that your faith, your faith in Jesus, your decision to accept Jesus as your Lord is a private decision that needs to go public at some point. So it's the, it's the same reason why you have a wedding ceremony and not just a wedding. A wedding ceremony is something that is public. But it's a reflection of a private decision that you made. Now, the reason that I wear a wedding band on this finger, this particular finger, is because I'm married to Pastor Sheila. Right there. Wave your hand, honey. <laughs> it's a public, dis- uh, public display of a private decision. Public display, private decision. That we made 31 years ago this coming Wednesday. 31. <laughs> this coming Wednesday, June the 6th of 1987. And it was a covenant that I made with her before God, with God involved. And so it's the same thing with our decision for Jesus. When, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask those who need to make a decision for Jesus to pray with me. But I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody looking, no, everybody's head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. This decision is between you and God. Now, in five weeks, on July the 6th, 8th, 7th, 8th, 17th, in a few weeks, <laughs> we're going to have a baptism where we, we go outside, just outside the building here. We're going to baptize a bunch of people. And so... If you need Jesus today, you can make that decision. But then in a few weeks, we're going to baptize you. It's a public. You, you can invite everybody in your family just to let them know. Invite all your coworkers and let them know that something happened in your life. We're, we're going to have the video out there and we'll video it. And so it is a public display of some, uh, a decision that you've made in your heart. It's a ceremony. So this is why when you accept Jesus and make this decision... You can stay right there in your seat, close your eyes and raise your hand, but the private decision must go public. Matthew 10, 30, 32 and 33 says this, whoever acknowledges me, Jesus said this, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So water baptism is a public acknowledgement that you are following Jesus. And so that's the second, second step in your spiritual journey. The first one is to receive Jesus as your Lord. The second one is to go public with your faith in water baptism. But there's a third baptism. And that's really what we're going to focus on about today. The, the other two are extremely important. And I didn't want to just jump to the third one without talking about the first two. But it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can fill that in your blank there. At the bottom of the first page, baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. Now, people have, you know, wanted to d- debate about with or in. You know, hey, it's the Holy Spirit that you're being empowered with. Remember, the disciples had received the Holy Spirit when they, when they were saved. And we just read a few minutes ago uh, in John, Luke, and Acts. It's, it's like having a glass of water that's full. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. You're like the glass of water that's full of the water. But then, 
immersion or baptism in the Holy Spirit is like you took the glass full of water and then put it in a pool full of water. So the glass that's full of water then gets immersed in the pool full of water. It is baptized in water. Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Acts 8, 14 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So this Samaria had received the word of God and had believed on Jesus, and they, they sent Peter and John to them. When Peter and John arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. See, there's two different experiences there. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. That means that they were baptized in water. So they had received the message. They had believed the message. They had been baptized in water. But Peter and John came down there. And it says there in verse 17 that when Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. So right there in that one passage, there are three immersions. Number one, they were baptized into the body of Christ. Number two, they, they were water baptized. They, they made that public profession, declaration uh, uh, of their private faith. And then number three, they were baptized with the Spirit. If we look at 1 John chapter 5, and, uh, verses 7 and 8, you can see the same three baptisms here in this one verse. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. So if you think about the blood as somebody receiving forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus, that is salvation. The baptism of water on this earth, again, signifying that we are public with our confession of Jesus being our Lord, and then the baptism of the Spirit. And it says these three agree as one. So that's three baptisms. Salvation into Jesus and into the body, water baptism and spirit baptism. And so wherever, you're, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, I don't want to assume that everyone is there, wherever there is. But wherever you are, there you are. <laughs> I want you to take one more step. Because none of us, in this room or watching this video is totally where God wants us to be. We're all on a journey to more. Can you, can you say the word more? more? More is a great word because it shows the, the infinite amount of God. God is infinite. And the more we walk with Him, the more we see that He has for us. And the more we should be stepping toward him, following him, seeking first the kingdom of God, drawing near to him, needing more than we've ever experienced before. Are you with me? Yes. We need more. We need more. And so I want to kind of give you a little bit of my story. I know I've shared a little bit of it, but you'll see how important it is that, that these three baptisms are are. Alive, You know, I can, I can speak about me. I, I've been authorized to speak about me <laughs> because, because I know me. Um, I was exposed to God as a young boy through vacation Bible school at church. And I must have been, you know, in kindergarten, probably six years old or so. And I enjoyed it. But I didn't grow up going to church every week. I would go Easter and I would go Christmas. And my parents really, they weren't against the church, or they weren't against God, but they just didn't lead me into a relationship with Jesus. I committed my life to Jesus when I was 11 years old, when I was with some friends at a revival service at a church. And that night, I heard the message of salvation so clearly from the minister that was up ministering that, that night, uh, back in 1974. Um, at the end of the message, the minister led us in a prayer that was so simple and so plain. I'll never forget it because I had a supernatural vision. But the minister said, listen, only you hold the only key 
to the door of your heart. And Jesus right now is knocking at that door. He was, he was quoting like Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I got a picture. He said, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And I did. I obeyed. I wasn't looking at anybody else. I was serious. I wanted to know God. And so he painted this picture with his words, but the Holy Spirit was painting it on my heart. It was a vision from God. And I saw Jesus standing at the door, and he was knocking, and I had the only key. He says, if you want Jesus to come in and live in your heart, you have to first give him the key. And when you do that, he'll come in and live with you forever. And I thought, okay. Now, Jesus is outside the door, and I've got to get him the key. So evidently, I need to open up the window because I saw a window in my heart. I need to open the window so I could give him the key so that he could come in. That's just something an 11-year-old kid would think, and that's just where I was at the time. So I gave him the key. He opened the door, and he came in. Now, when he came in, I saw that window. It was just on the right side of the door, if I'm looking at the heart this way. The light that shone out of that window became brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And soon, the light shone so bright, it overtook the whole picture. And I lost, I lost the view of the heart. And I knew from that day on that I was born again. And to this day, I'm standing here before God and before you. Forty-four years later, I have never, ever doubted my salvation. That is not something that I could have worked up. I am not uh, building up the story. I am telling you, I know that I had a, a, a radical salvation experience with God at 11 years old. But that wasn't it. That wasn't the last step, guys. That was the first step. So, I didn't understand that it was a supernatural vision. I I didn't understand. When I was 16, I was living up in Marietta, and I was going to high school. I was water baptized in a church up there with, with my best friend. He was on one side, I was on the other side, and we got water baptized. And the Lord was dealing with me as a teenager, and at that time, back in the, the mid-70s, late-70s, here in the Atlanta area, uh, God was doing a great thing in the, in the lives of young people. And see, I, I'm believing that that's going to happen again. Because I was one of those young people that were, were, we were hungry. At 16 years old, I got together with my friend Scott and his brother Jim, and we would drive to these Bible studies. They had a Bible study at uh, Smyrna First Baptist that was led by Dan DeHaan, if some of you old-timers remember that. Pat Terry, the Pat Terry group, did the worship. But Dan DeHaan, there was a 1,000 kids at this Bible study every week. And they would sit around for hours and just discuss the Bible. And this was like in the, the late 70s. Guys, I mean, people were hungry for... Uh, this place, uh, the Bible study got so big, it had to move to, move to Mount Perrin. And uh, continued to grow. But young people were excited about God. And so that's the atmosphere that I grew up in. But then when I went to college, I changed uh, venues, changed friends, and went into the disco. So I did spend a few years in the pit. And it was because of the people that I hung around. And the moment I, I came out of that scene because I was brokenhearted over a relationship that I was having with a young lady, and I thought, I don't need heartbreak anymore. And immediately, I thought, I'm going to go back to the church. I just, it was built in. The Holy Spirit was dealing with me, drawing me back to the church where there were people that were true and real, authentic. And so I went back into the church, and I started... I couldn't listen to secular music anymore because it reminded me of the hurt. And so I started listening to Christian music. And then I started listening to people that were ministering on the radio. And it, it, I, I was hearing things about the Holy Spirit. And I was hearing uh, a sincerity and faith and confidence in their words and love. And I was drawn to that. And so I knew that there was more that I had not experienced. See, I didn't, I didn't stop at getting born again. I didn't stop at getting water baptized. 
I knew that there was something more. I failed to mention that back in high school, I'd, when I was baptized with my best friend, I did ask our pastor about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I said, hey, what is this over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the Holy Spirit? He said, oh, that's, that's passed away. That, that, that doesn't exist anymore. None of those things happen anymore. And at, at 16 years old, I knew in myself that wasn't the truth. But I didn't make, I didn't make a scene. I didn't argue with him. I just smiled and went on my way. And the Lord began to reveal things to me. So after I came out of the, the scene and started looking for more, it was a year until 1983 that I uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it was after studying myself. So I can understand that people have been exposed to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're unsure Listen, I can understand you. And you need, you need to know that God doesn't push you. I like to explain it like this. If there's a, a lot of people in the swimming pool and somebody is outside and they're saying, you know, I would like to go swimming, but I'm not sure how cold it is. I'm not sure what the water's like. I've never swam before, so I'm kind of unsure. I got these floaties on and I don't know. And you know, they look like they're having fun. God is, God is not the one that's going to come behind you and push you in, thinking that it's a joke. You know, but people will. And if you've been in here this morning and somebody has pushed you in to the deep waters of the Holy Spirit, I want to apologize to you. That's not right. It's not right. Listen, God led me. God always leads you. People should not push you. And God doesn't push you. So, you just relax and go at your own pace. Learn about what's happening in your life and your walk with Jesus. Because it's all about Him. It's not about a gift or the gifts. It's about the gift giver. Right? But for 30 years now, my wife and I have been in ministry We've, we were associate pastors in Oklahoma City for 10 years. We lived over in Europe for almost 10 years. We ministered in places and we have seen God do miraculous things in the lives of people. I could go into details about it all, but listen, none of this would have ever happened in our life. Lifeway wouldn't be here this morning if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit that I experienced back in 1983. 1983. I had an experience with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was after a year of seeking and understanding who the Holy Spirit was. And listen, the bottom line is we're not talented enough and we're not capable enough to influence anybody's life without the person of the Holy Spirit. I could not, I could not begin to reach outside of myself and serve anybody else until I was empowered and immersed in the person of the Holy Spirit. None of these things in the book of Acts could have happened without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't dare leave Jerusalem until you get this because you need the power. The power of the Holy Spirit is for our assignment. You know, Peter became a, 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 a fraidy cat <laughs> because a young a girl questioned him, aren't you the one that knows Jesus? He couldn't even answer correctly. He, he couldn't even speak the truth to her because he was so, so afraid. But we see after he was empowered with the Holy Spirit, he stood up days later and preached to 3,000 people and watched them come to salvation in Jesus. And there was only one thing that took place between those two uh, moments in Peter's life, and that was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So listen, you're called to make a difference on this earth. And you can't do it in your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't run away from Him. Run to Him. Run to Him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Here's, here's some steps here. We're going to go real quick. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's a word you can look up later. It's not a good word. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
Isn't it interesting how Paul, by the Spirit of God, is drawing a contrast between somebody getting drunk on wine and being filled with the Spirit? Now, I've gotten drunk before on purpose. Somebody's laughing, got drunk on purpose too. And here's the way I did it. I'm going to drink until I, until I feel good. And at some point, there's a line there. And you cross that line, and it's like, I don't care now. Right? So, Paul's saying, don't, don't, don't use a, the world substitute for trying to feel good. Because the Holy Spirit can make you feel so much gooder and so much better than what the world has. Right? Perp- in other words, let me, just, let, me, let me do the illustration again up here. In other words, pass over the line saying, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit so much so that I'm going to be saturated with His goodness that I don't care what happens because the Holy Spirit fills me to overflowing. Right? That's what he's saying. Be filled with the Spirit. In other words, you're destined to live a supernatural life, not a natural life. Number one, we have to remove all barriers. Remove all barriers. Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom... The Lord our God will call. So, the thing that was in my way as, as a young person growing up was wrong teaching. There are some things that may have been standing in your way. Maybe you've been afraid of giving up certain things that you enjoy. But listen, we've all had things in our pathway that have tried to stop us on our spiritual journey. In our, in our progress, it tried to pull us off of our progress. Whatever barriers that have been standing in your way, you have to remove them. You need to repent. You need to change your mind and change your heart. And then you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The biggest barrier, listen, to all of this is yourself. Yourself. Your mind and your flesh. You know, I knew that the Holy Spirit was for me. But I was a little bit reserved. But the time came where I said, all right, listen, I'm, there's the line, but I'm crossing the line. Today is my day. And it was glorious. Number two, request the gift of the, of the Holy Spirit. Request. Luke eleven thirteen says, if you then, being uh, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Even though I wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit, I had to ask the Heavenly Father. And I had to say, I need it. I want this gift. I need it in my life. And I had to request it. Number three, point number three, receive him by faith. Receive him by faith. Every step that you take toward God is a step of faith. God will always show you just enough for you to decide to step out on what you think is nothing. (laughs) He shows you, and then he expects you to step. That's why it is a walk of faith. Right? Ezekiel, I I love the scripture talking about the Holy Spirit in, in this particular topic. Ezekiel Chapter 47, verses 3 through 5. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. Ankle deep is having a relationship with Jesus. It's being baptized into the body of Christ. Ankle ankle deep. Then he measured off another thousand, thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. Knee deep. Okay, so I made a decision for Jesus. Now I'm going a little bit deeper, and I want to be water baptized. You're, you're, you're moving out there. You're moving out there. Ankle deep, knee deep. And then look what it says. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist, going out deeper in the deeper waters to discover all that God has for us. 
all that God has for us. But notice, even though you're ankle deep, knee deep, and waist deep, you're still in control. You're wet to a degree, but you're still in control. Then let's read. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. This is where, and it goes on to say that that this river was teeming with life. God wants us to swim in the river, his river that's teeming with life, a river filled with joy. There's joy in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a clear picture of a walk with God into the fullness of the Spirit. Don't stop, guys. Don't stop. Don't be satisfied with ankle deep. Don't be satisfied with knee deep. Don't be satisfied with waist deep. You know, some people may be sitting there, you know, today and uh, you, you came in and you've never raised your hand during, during worship. Never, you never raised your hands. But today as the song was going and you kind of felt pretty good and all of a sudden you went. That's good. I wonder if anybody saw me. Huh. Don't stop. <laughs> Don't stop. Listen. <laughs> if, I, if I can dance. I just have in my mind. Listen, I danced for the devil down at Buckhead. How many years ago I used to dance for the wrong reasons. I can dance for the right reasons up in here. Listen, I am, I am not ashamed. We're not ashamed. And I, since I've experienced this deep river that's teeming with life and full of joy, I don't want to go back to ankle deep. I don't want to go back up to my knees. I want to swim out, out to the middle. And I'm encouraging you, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't watch other people take, a, take their step. You need to take your step. You need to go out to the fullness of what God has for you. There's good stuff in the middle of the river. The only problem to get to that place is you've got to lose touch with the ground. You've got to lose touch with the ground. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews eleven six 6 says... But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me just say that God is not looking for perfection. But he is looking for progress. He's not looking for perfection, but he's looking for progress. One step of faith leads to the next step of faith. And God is patient. God is patient. He's, he is not in a hurry. Just like I said before, he's, he's not the little kid that thinks it's, he's playing a joke on you by pushing you in the pool when you're not ready to go. Okay? You don't have to run from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Run to him. Listen, Pastor Sheila and I are thrilled to lead a church that's growing and that everybody's at a different place in their journey. And every week we ask the Lord to help us to create an environment, an atmosphere, where we continue to walk and develop and grow in the things of God. And more than anything, I want you to have an authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit so that you can be immersed in His power and experience all that He has for you. I want you to relate to him. That's the, that's the fourth point here. Relate, relate, relate to the Holy Spirit daily. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14 in the message. This is a benediction that I'm going to pray as a benediction to this message right here. And I'm praying with my eyes open so that I can read it from my notes. I'm praying for you everyone in here, that the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, and the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
be with all of you. And that's our prayer, that, that you continue to take the next step deeper into the, to the relationship that God has for you with the Holy Spirit. That you step at your own pace. That you seek to understand the things of God. If somebody tells you that God is so awesome that you just can't understand him, it's wrong. God will reveal himself to you. Just like he revealed himself to me. Just like he revealed himself to Moses. Just like he revealed himself to David. Just like he revealed himself to Paul. Maybe not in the same way. And we should never, never, never look for an experience like someone else had. But we should always be walking the next step deeper into the relationship with our Heavenly Father. Bow your heads and let's close our eyes. If you're in this place today and you've never had this experience of being immersed into salvation, it's up to you to take the first step today. Maybe you've come to Lifeway Church for, for a long time now. And maybe you've even thought that you've taken some steps, but you, di- you, you haven't immersed yourself into Jesus You haven't surrendered everything to him. Maybe you've even called him Lord, but you're not in a relationship with him. Remember, God is only looking for a relationship with you. That's the only thing that he's looking. He's not looking for religion. He's not looking for you to join this church or any other church. But you do have to immerse yourself into a love relationship with Jesus first. Having a relationship with Jesus. If you want to do that today, it begins privately, just like I said before, right there in your seat. If you want to do that today and you want to pray this prayer, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with us. As we pray, everybody pray this prayer. If, that's, if you're praying it for the very first time today, say this with us. Jesus, Jesus 